lot of folks feeling left out, um, feeling like there's something insufficient with them, struggling to embrace the calling of their current season because they're so focused on where they think they're supposed to go that it's distracting them from being present and embracing what God has for them where they are. So as women, when we come together and we look at a topic like freedom and parenting, let us start by being conscious of the fact that not every woman is a mom. And, um, and we want to create space for the fullness and the variety of the women that come into this place. And, and for the folks who engage with this study remotely, that, that they are welcome, that this is not a mom's club, you know? Um, and so even in thinking about the subject matter of the morning, I would invite you to apply it to whoever the folks are in your life that you feel responsible for. Because all of a sudden, all the women can unite on that one, right? We all have people that we feel responsible for. So we're going to, uh, we have two nurture stories this morning, and then we'll do some teaching. So I want to invite Regina up first, and um, let's just open our hearts to receive what God has for each of us this morning. Do you have it? I can yell. <laughs> I can talk really loud. There we go. Can you hear me? Okay. So for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Regina Perry. My family's been here at Creekside for almost 13 years. I have three children. I have a 21-year-old son who is currently serving in the United States Marine Corps. I get really emotional about that because I love that. I love that he serves our great country. Um, anyway, um, my daughter Jacqueline, who actually is our youngest nurture woman. <laughs> I love that. I love that I get to say our youngest nurture woman because that's what she is. She's a photographer, and um, she also is a... Um, instructor at a gymnastics um, sports place here and currently uh, moving into coaching. And then my youngest is 15 years old. He's a freshman in high school. He loves baseball and he would probably want me to tell you that he does not like the 49ers one bit. <laughs> so he won't be watching the Super Bowl with us. Anyway, um, we were encouraged, um, Sarah and I, um, who you'll get to hear her story um, we were encouraged to um, focus on um, 1 Samuel 2, where Hannah, um, basically Hannah's prayer, where she um, brings Samuel um, and leaves him at the altar. But I want to kind of go back a little bit because I went and reread 1 Samuel 1, because that's where her story started. And... Um, like Laura had mentioned, you know, there's, there's moms out there, and, and like Hannah, she was struggling with um, not being a mom and what her place was. But my struggle 
is more of, um, or what I've walked through as a parent is um, the struggles of um, sin um, with each kid um, or an individual kid. But when I look at um, and meditate and meditated on First Samuel 2, I first want to point to also that we would be right to go back and read Hannah's prayer. Um, she was a profound um, woman of faith. And even Mary, the mother of Jesus, emulated the same prayer in Luke. Um, so she, so she ha was such an inspiration. But when I look at her prayer, she rejoiced in no matter what her situation was. She knew God was there um, and that he, there was no one like him and that he was in control of everything and that he was the protector of all. So hopefully today you'll be encouraged um, by um, knowing that no matter what I've gone through or what I share that I've gone through, um, I'm upright. Um, that is the biggest thing um, for me especially. Um, I've never expected to walk through or walk out certain things um, as a parent, but God knew every situation that was going to happen before it happened. I also um, was encouraged um, some time ago to remember he is Jehovah Nisi. He is the banner. He goes before my kids. He's at the end of their life. So if you can get a picture of like in the dark ages and medieval times, the first person to go into battle was the one carrying the banner. He had no protection. He was just carrying this giant banner announcing who was coming. And that's what God's doing. He's gone before my, my children and your children. And each of my kids' story is very different. Um, I wish I could actually point to Jacqueline and say, ah, I did it right. Yay. Everything's good. My life's perfect. We're done. Um, but we've walked, like I said, we've walked out and walked through um, struggles and battles um, with sin, um, with um, certain kids. Um, lying, cheating, addiction, and exposure to pornography. Um, we also have um, walked through the struggles and pains of um, and navigating storms, but able to praise God when he met us in the middle of those storms and he, when he brought us through those storms. Storms like broken hearts, um, relationship struggles, um, even including friendships that um, maybe had died because of something that someone didn't like or, you know, making them feel like they weren't a good enough friend. I'm feeling defeated. Um, right now, um, my oldest, um, he's, so he's coming to the end of his military career. But one thing um, about the military is um, it doesn't matter whether you're coming to the end or you're just starting. Where they, when they send you somewhere, 
you go. So um, he's not deploying, but he's going back to Norway, Norway which um, is a struggle for him because he just started um, classes and he was on his way to the next um, journey, the next chapter in his life. And now he's been told, oh, actually, you have to put that on hold and you got to go do this. So we're walking that out with him and helping him to... Um, connect, reconnect with God. Um, that's also been a struggle because he hasn't really walked away from the Lord, but there's not been a lot of encouragement um, in his um, service time. So that's been really a struggle for him. So when things like this come up um, where he's feeling defeated, he's dealing with some pain as well physically, um, it's hard for him to see God in the midst of it. So we're walking that out with him right now. Um, we've also walked through anxiety and depression, um, the desire to um, go to public school. Um, I homeschool my kids. Um, my oldest is the one that we struggled with, um, who he um, desired to go to public school um, his freshman year, but we asked him, wait another year, give it one more year. So his sophomore year, he went to public school. That was really hard for me because I thought as a parent, I had done something wrong or I missed, I missed something that he would want to change his mind. But really it was God's plan. He was the one showing me, I've got a different plan and you need to just release him. And that's one thing that is also a great example of Hannah in her, um, she trust surrendered and released Samuel. So when he went to school, it was very hard and I had to work out my own um, undisciplined emotions in that um, walk. We also um, tried to shelter our kids from um, certain things, but we also allowed them to experience the world. Um, but when, um, but we also went head to head with them on certain things. And so when boundaries were crossed or tested, we had to pull the reins back. And when those reins got pulled back, there was a lot of um, pu pulling back on their part. They didn't like it or they didn't like our choices, but we, you know, we had to tell them this is best. So looking back on all these things, um, you know, that we have walked through the storms, the struggles, um, I focused on this is not um, a result of me being a bad parent or something I did wrong or didn't do, um, the discipline that wasn't there. It's a result of this dark and fallen world that our kids have to walk through, that we have to walk through and then we walk through with them. Um, the situation doesn't define them. Those are lies that the enemy tries to tell us. Um, there's more to my kids than their choices and their struggles and their sin. When God looks at them, he sees Jesus, and that is the best thing. Um, I don't know how many of you, um, I think most of you are Creeksiders, but um, Jackson's sermon really resonated with me this weekend when he said, God doesn't create the crisis. The crisis is created so that we have the opportunity to glorify God. And God is glorified in everything that happens in each of our kids' lives 
no matter whether it's good or it's bad. So I know that the Lord will raise up my kids. He's doing it even now. And like Jackson said, he'll pull them up, but they can end up back down there again. So no matter what, I know that I delight in the Lord. My devotion is to him, and he is how, um, he knows how and when to answer my prayers. Um, I'm very confident that I have given my kids a solid foundation, I think. <laughs> um, that when they do go in the world, no matter what their choices are, whether they're ones that I would choose for them or something that, you know, they're choosing and it's not the best thing and the results aren't good, I can trust that God is still chasing them no matter what. And I still have a strong bond with them. They come to me and they talk to me and they tell me things, even if it makes my ears burn and my skin crawl and I just want to go, I'm there and they can trust me because they know that I'm not judging them and that I just love them and that the Lord loves them too. So like I said, if you um, heard me a couple of weeks ago from um, when I introduced prayer, God's in all the details. Um, we just have to open our hands and relax and watch what he will do. Father, I just thank you for Regina's story, for her courage to share with us this morning, for the walk that she's taking so faithfully, even when it's really scary and really hard. Um, God, may you continue to raise us up as women who can be trusted and thank you for the way that you lovingly um, understand and accept that we still think we know the choices people should make. And you ask us to hand that over to you, but you're so gentle in the process. So thank you for what you're doing in her life and her family's life. And thank you for the things that you taught us through her words. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, let's have Sarah come on up. Hi, guys. Um, I just wanted to thank Regina again for sharing. She's like my Yoda, but way cuter. <laughs> I've... Um, <laughs> I have gone to Regina so many times with like, help me, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so anyway, I know a lot of you, but for those of you that I don't know, my name is Sarah. Um, I think my husband Scott and I have been at Creekside for a little over 10 years now, almost 10 years, almost 10 years. Um, I have three sons. Um, Max is going to be 17 next month. Um, he works at Free Flow Academy um, as a parkour coach. Um, he's a junior in high school. Um, I have Silas. He's 15 and a half. He is my trendy kid. He's, if I don't know anything about pop culture, I go to Silas. Um, and then Wesley will be 14 next month. He's my diva. I have no girls, so he fills that role for me. Um, he, he is a diva. What can I say? Um, I have no words for that. I have my notes on my phone. 
and hopefully it won't go to sleep. Um, so when I first was talking to Elham about this a few months ago, and she's like, the topic is freedom and parenting. I was like, okay, okay. And then, um, and then obviously holidays, so I didn't think about it until like three days ago again. And I was like, shoot, that's coming up. <laughs> I better think about that. And so, so I've been thinking about it solidly for like three or four days. And I'm like, what does that even mean, freedom and parenting? And I, I'm not going to lie, I was really struggling with what am I going to say to you all today? And um, so I pulled up 1 Samuel 2. Laura was gracious and kind of pointed us in that direction. And I was reading Hannah's prayer. And if I've learned anything about being at Creekside, I learned, like, you should read the chapter before. So I read uh, 1 Samuel 1. And actually, that one kind of spoke to me uh, more because that was Hannah's struggle. Like, the se- 1 Samuel 2 was her prayer after she gets Samuel. But... 1 Samuel 1 was just kind of her, it was just her story, it was her, it was just her struggle. And so as I was reading it, and I get to the end, I realized like, oh, hang on, this freedom in parenting is actually surrender. (laughs) So for me, surrender is synonymous with freedom when it comes to parenting. Um, And that has played out in a lot of different ways in my life with my three sons. And so I was just kind of jotting down some specifics and I'm, I'm these are just going to be like one minute like little bullet stories because I don't want to ramble too long but I've been thinking and there are several of you who I'm sure have little kids and um and and there's definitely surrender in in parenting with littles but my stories are going to start a little bit later um so uh and I'm going to start with an easy one it's it's more of a my pride um but my youngest son loves to be the center of attention and he just started a YouTube channel with lightsaber battles and all I can think of is that kid that everybody mocked for doing the lightsaber battle in the garage with the broomstick and I'm like why are you doing this like this is like you're gonna be just mocked and you're just gonna be made fun of and like I had to like surrender that and be like yay that's awesome you have how many you have 26 views now like that's fabulous and like be super supportive of him sorry this is an awkward stool um so that's just a stupid one but it's it's like real like when you have a kid who's like going down a path that's maybe awkward for you like and you're just like how do I support you and this just seems really weird and I just think that no one's gonna like you and I don't know it's you're just like okay so that's kind of like my easy surrender um my second surrender story is a lot like Regina's. I homeschooled my kids up until my oldest son was going into high school. My husband and I were both homeschooled. That is a whole different story. But um, I homeschooled out of a place, and I, I love homeschooling. I think everybody should have a choice. But I homeschooled my, my own children out of a sense of fear um, of what I thought would affect my kids. I wanted to just keep them in a bubble. And um, when my oldest was probably like in sixth grade, God just started putting it in my heart like, you need to let this go. This is not the right motivation. You really have to let this go now. And um, I mentioned it to my husband who like lost it and freaked out and was like, we're never doing that. We're always homeschooling until they die. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess. And so I, I just was like really praying about it and, and really like sharing with close friends about it. And I just kept praying, and one day my husband was like, I think we should do this. And then I was like, oh, I got my way. Like, But now I'm like really scared of this. And 
that was probably after giving birth, like the hardest thing I ever had to do was pull up at the drop-off and literally push my kids out of the car and just be like, I'll see you in seven hours. Like, go make your way. And, um, like, they've never, they had never gone to school. Like, never went to preschool. Like, never. We, we homeschooled. We didn't even, we weren't even part of a charter. Like, it was as isolated as it gets, I guess. And, um, I mean, they had friends, you guys. They, we, I, they weren't in a basement. But, like, it, we... But they didn't have that exposure to classes and lots of children all at once. And it was just, it was very hard. And I remember crying all the way home and just thinking, like, I have damaged them. Like, I have, they're going to need years of therapy now. And, like, I know I need years of therapy now. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. And then um, at the end of that year, we just saw tremendous growth in each kid we saw tremendous growth in ourselves like letting that go um and and we we're like okay they're not like gangbangers or doing drugs or like okay like this is okay and yeah that every time kids get together in groups they do stupid things but it was not as terrifying as I thought it was going to be and they rose to the occasion like they handled it and or if they didn't handle it they came to us and we dealt with it and I like Regina said I'm I'm still here, like I'm still standing, and we're like, I'm not dead, like they're not dead, like we're we're doing okay, like it's it's okay. Um, moving right along, so in that process, last year Silas, my middle son, um, made good friends and with this one kid who then uh, he made friends with him in eighth grade, and so in Silas's freshman year, this boy committed suicide, which rocked our world, which seems very selfish of me to say that, knowing that his parents have a much crazier thing to deal with. But, like, that was the first, like, thing in that just, it really, I don't know, like, I've never seen something like that affect my happy-go-lucky son to where he then um, withdrew. Um, Sorry. And um, I was like, I can't. I can't reach this kid, like I'm, we always chat, we always talk, like, and he was just, and he spent a year, a year just closed off, didn't talk, didn't, I was like, can we, can we take you to someone if you don't want to talk to me, you know, can you talk to somebody else, I'm fine, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine, and then he didn't want to come to church, and I'm like, Lord, like, I can't make this happen, you know, like, what, and that is the next hardest thing I've ever had to do, is just, every morning, just do that, that day, just, just live that day with him and then check in again and just check in again and just surrender this kid of like, I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea what the outcome is going to be like, but here he is. Lord, here's, here's my kid. Um, please get through to him, get through to this shell. And, um, and if you're not going to use me, use somebody else. And, um, and I'm grateful because it, but it took a year and um, I thought there was gonna be like no hope. And, uh, and and it's just like a plug for our youth program, but I'm so grateful for our youth pastor Jackson because he um, he's the one that had got through to Silas. He, um, he just has poured into my son like, like nobody's business. And I'm kind of on a rabbit trail. I'm gonna try and bring her back. But I, I guess like part of the surrender is knowing that sometimes it's not gonna be you. 
It's going to be somebody else. It takes a village, guys. <laughs> it takes a church, and it takes, like, community. And it, it wasn't going to be me. It was Jackson, and it was um, Silas's squad here at church, like all of his friends that have poured into him constantly this last year. And, um, and Silas is now back, and um, he's, like, all in. He's on the student leadership here at church. Um, he went to Thrive last weekend at Bayside with the squad, and I call him the squad, but all the student leadership kids. And, um, and so, anyway, I'm grateful for that. Um, I've also had to walk through um, a son who has perfectionism anxiety, and if you have anybody in your life that's like that, like, I can't, I just, I just can't. Like, I just, I don't know how to talk to him. I don't know, like, things that seem reasonable to me. It's, I just can't break through that shell of perfectionism and which then leads to self-harm. And I've had to walk through self-harming. And I've had to walk through self-harming when I've been thousands of miles away and I can't get to my kid because he's like, I'm nine hours ahead of him. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm getting emails with like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like God, like I, can I fly home? Like, can I literally like physically fly? Like I, what do I do with this? Like, how do I, what do I do? And I, I don't have a happy ending for that story for you guys yet. <laughs> like, I'm still on that journey. Um, but I am grateful because in my surrender of that, in my just like, okay, I'm just going to sit here while you rage and I'll wait till you're done and hopefully we can talk. And I want to keep that open I want to keep up that communication open with him like Regina said like my kids talk to me because inside when they're telling me things I'm like ah like I I know I'm I'm like a lunatic inside because I'm just screaming like I don't want to hear this la, 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 la. like I just want my babies back and you're just so cute and yay but like outside my exterior is like tell me more I want to hear all the things, and inside I'm like, I don't want to hear all the things, but I want you to keep talking to me because I want to be, I want to be that anchor for you and help you. And if I can't be the anchor, then I want to like, like push you to somebody else who can be. So, um, we've also walked through bad relationships, like Regina was saying. Like we also have walked through that, and that has been probably one of the hardest things too. Is um, when your son meets a girl. And you can see that girl, and you're like, nope, mm-mm, nope. But they're like, you might as well tell them, like, he's, they don't listen to you. They don't listen. And so I could talk for days and days about all the things about this girl, and he's just going to be like, yeah, whatever, Mom, you're dumb. And so I have to sit and listen to how she's great, and I have to watch the relationship build and see it be, being built on super sandy foundation and just know that this is not good and um, pretend to be happy when he comes home happy and then have to listen to him when he's sad and really upset and and just be like yeah that stinks man like why do you think that happens and like ask the questions and like instead of going she's a loser <laughs> move on <laughs> like you're so much better than this girl like what the heck and um and just surrendering that like um I guess really guys it's surrendering the authority that I feel in my kids lives like I've been trying to boil it down and I keep saying that word but I surrender but it's like surrender what and I think it's surrendering this authority that I feel like I have in my kids life um, especially as they get older um, my role has gone from 
disciplinarian, although we still have rules and everything, but it's gone from disciplinarian to guider um, to like, I feel like the bumpers and when you go bowling, you know, you don't want to like gutter ball. So I feel like I'm like, ding, ding, like stay on track. And like, but at the same time, like I know that all of these choices that my kids are making are putting them on a journey that's leading them to Christ. And I was talking to my husband because we're mulling over some decisions for the future. And I'm like, I'm all about going, Lord, make me uncomfortable. Make me feel uncomfortable in my life and my situation because I feel like that makes me love more. But then when it comes to my kids, I'm like, no, nope, 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 nope. Nope, I don't want them to struggle. I don't want them to suffer. I want them to live in this bubble and be totally fine. So why in the heck am I thinking that when I want them to have the relationship with Christ, but I don't want them to to have the journey? Like, that doesn't make any sense, like, logically. But then my heart and my mama heart's like, no, but it makes lots of sense. Like, they are safe. So I, I just, like... That's kind of where I landed at 1 o'clock this morning when I finally finished up my notes, was, like... I'm surrendering the authority that I have in my kid's life, which is nil, really, anyway. They're not mine. Like, I, it's this preconceived notion that I have that somehow I can make a thing happen. Um, it's this crazy paradox that God does, and, and I'm like, it's my number one question. Like, why do you give us these kids, and we literally will throw ourselves in front of a train for? We pour our life, blood, sweat, and tears into them. We spend so many years of our lives. I know those of you that have kids that are grown and gone, it doesn't stop. I was delusional when my babies were this big, thinking, oh, it'll, think it'll go back to normal. And No way, right? Like, you have kids, and you have grandkids, and it never ends, and you're, you're just still selflessly pouring into these people, and yet you have no control over it. None, you guys. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, Okay, Lord, and, and so why, right? And this is what I want to end on. Um, I just want to end on, uh, I, I should end on a scripture. It's not. It's C.S. Lewis. It's the next best thing, I guess. So um, um, I'm a sucker for the Narnia stories. Um, I had them all on Audible when my kids were little, and um, they don't let me do that anymore. But um, one that they... Every time I listen to one, I'm like, oh, that one's my favorite. And then I'll hear another one. I'm like, oh, no, wait, that one's my favorite. And so um, today, The Horse and His Boy is my favorite. And um, if you don't know The Horse and His Boy, it's this great story about a boy named Shasta and his horse, Bree, and they meet this girl. And um, they're on this journey to get to Narnia. They need to get to Narnia. They're not in Narnia. And they're both on horses, and the bad king is, like, chasing them. And But, like... He's far enough away, so they're like, yeah, we got to go, but they're not like, oh, my gosh, he's going to, like, kill us. He's, like, right on our heels. And then, so they're kind of like, they're not, they're not going as fast as they could be, right? And all of a sudden, they hear this lion, and that lion is way closer than the scary king. And so they're like, holy smokes, we got to go. And so the lion is roaring, and it's getting closer and closer and closer, and um they're riding these horses as fast as they can. And then the lion appears, and the lion takes a swipe at the girl. I forget her name. Um, starts with an A. I'll read it in a second. Anyway, um, he takes a swipe at her, gets her, and then they, they like get to the place where they need to be in Narnia, just like by the nick of time, but not without this girl getting her scratches. Fast forward later in the story, Shasta the boy meets the lion, Aslan, in the forest, and he asks Aslan, because Aslan reveals to him that he is 
that lion that was chasing them. And I promise I have a point, you guys. But um, Shasta is asking him about things, and, and Aslan's answering him. And Aslan says that, I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay as a child near death so that it came to the shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. That's Shasta's birth story. Um, and then Shasta asks, then it was you who wounded Erebus. That's right. And, um, and Aslan answers, it was I. But what for, Shasta asks. Child, said the lion, I am telling you your story, not hers. I do not tell, I tell no one any story but his own. And there's another section where he says the same thing to Erebus when he reveals that he scratched her and the reason for it. And she asks a question and he answers the same. I am telling you your story. Don't worry about theirs. And that has been my mantra as a parent is like, I don't know my kid's story, guys. I think I do. I think that as I'm living my life, that my story, that my kids are like, like I'm like a main character in their story and I'm not, I'm just not. Like they are the main character in their story and God is writing it chapter by chapter and I show up sometimes and sometimes I don't and um, I have to be okay with that. And then at the end of my story, I get to stand before Jesus and be like, I did it, I did the best I could and I'm here and you were there and you were present and you walked with me and I'm just so grateful that you're the author of all of our stories, you know? So um, that's what I got and I'm not done. Like I'm still learning. Thank you, Regina Yoda. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm so grateful for all of you because um, I'm, I'm just blessed by all of you and, and your own stories and your own um, ways of parenting and um, teaching and sharing with us. So thank you for listening.